This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. It's Tuesday, and it's Endurance Day, but not only that, it's Tevis Day, and I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Karen Chatton with Tevis Brain from Gardnerville, Nevada, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning <laughs> on the Horse Radio Network for July 10th, episode 1971. Good morning, Horse World! When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned, and completing the challenge is the challenge, you're an endurance rider. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love, but don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on this Tuesday, the Tuesday episode, endurance episode before Tevis. A couple months ago, I asked uh, Karen (laughs) if she was going to ride in Tevis this year, because she has a few, like, thousand times. And um, she said, uh, I I don't know about this year. I'm not quite sure I'm going to do it. (laughs) We're going to find out what happened about that uh, indecision that has now changed. We're going to find out about that whole story. But first, we need to go to Jennifer right away because we have a lot to talk about on today's show. That's right. Coming up on today's endurance episode, it is all about Tevis. And we are joined by Lara Werb, who is riding her gated horse spin out Merlin this year. And then Kelly Moore stop Kelly Moore's Fryman stops by and she's a Tevis for she's going to stop by and Tevis first timer. And then Natalie, I can't talk today. Yeah, just going to have to excuse me. Natalie Sundstrom wraps up the show, and she has some Tevis Gremlin stories. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. Thank you very much. So you've been to a couple endurance rides since we talked last. Yes, and that's part of what influenced my finally making a decision. I did the Wild West 55 with my junior, who's been riding bow this season and I rode chief and that was kind of a tough technical 55 mile ride with lots of single track and both the horses came through in really good shape my horse it was hot yes northern california and um, I'm kind of dealing with something new with chief he's finally starting to finish losing the eyesight in his left eye and so he was like really spooky on that ride and um when you say finally losing he was he's had eye ulcers in that eye for like 10 years after he ripped his eyelid apart many many years ago so uh i figured well you know that's one positive i can stay on almost anything (laughs) that's jumping and decelerating and going sideways on these narrow trails right so I lived through that. Then we went to the LaGrange Ditch 50 in Weaverville, which was also very hot, actually. I think it was like 100 degrees. And it's very technical uh, with drop-offs on both sides. And so Chief 
you know, he's smart. He knew he couldn't spook there. And so we had a much better ride there. Um, but, uh, and that was kind of cool because both horses handled the ride. They handled the heat. And when we finished that ride, it put Bo's mileage at 9,990 miles. Wow. So for new listeners, Bo has been with you how long? Uh, 12 years. 12 years. And in that 12 years, almost 10,000 miles. And Bo, did you get to Bo directly from the breeders? How did you get Bo? Uh, from uh, my friend, Carrie, who's a trainer. And he wasn't really quite for sale at the time when I contacted her, but she had lost part of her pasture. So she kind of needed to downsize. She was going to keep Bo originally as her own horse. And then when I... She regrets that now. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody would. I mean, he's turned out to be a really nice horse. And he... And he wasn't an easy horse. He was the kind of horse, if he was in the hands of a beginner, he would get away with stuff. Mm. He definitely would. He has an honorary streak in him. But, you know, I it, luckily I was experienced enough to, to be able to read him um, and keep him from doing dumb stuff, like trying to put his head down and buck or, you know, just get away with being naughty and um, because he is quite the character. So we came home from the, these last couple of rides. And then every time I go out to feed, here comes Bo. He's running in at a, you know, full run tail up, you know, uh, looking just, you know, like that bright eyed Arab look. And I'm thinking, man, this horse still thinks he's young and he's How frisky. He? and he, He's 20. 20. Yeah. So I came home and I thought, you know, let's just print this entry out for Tevis. I just want to read it, see what it says, you know? So I print it out and it sits on my counter for a couple days. And and let's remind everybody, how many times have you been to Tevis before? um, I've completed seven times out of eight. And 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 with this horse, with Bo? Five. Five, okay. Five times. And so I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking about it. And then, you know, it's like one way or the other, it's not going to hurt if I just fill out the form, right? Right. So I start to fill out the form and it's still sitting there. And I thought, you know, let me see if I have any, you know, envelopes and or a stamp, right? So I do, I have one stamp and I get the envelope and I fill it out and put the entry in. And there it sits on the counter for a couple more days, you know. Then my junior came over and she saw the entry form and the envelope and she took it with her and mailed it. (laughs) (laughs) She'll teach you a lesson. (laughs) I guess you're going, huh? (laughs) So now I'm entering. Yeah. This year, Karen didn't enter Tevis. She was entered into (laughs) Tevis. Yes. Now, before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit about more, uh, more about Bo at Tevis, but, you're, you mentioned your junior, and you said that uh, this LaGrange ride was very technical. Did she ride with you, and was that difficult on her? What did she think? Yes. I think there were points where she was a little bit scared and nervous, um, you know, because it's not just that it drops off, but you're curving and turning through trees where you have to deck. And, um, you know, that was the most technical ride I think I've ever had her on. And she's done the Tevis Ed ride twice. So she's been on other technical trails. And and like I said, two years ago, when I did this ride, if you want to know, um, you know, if you can do this ride, go ride Tevis first. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, of course, you're, it's a little different when you're talking 50 miles versus 100 miles, right? right. So. 
but she came through it in really good shape. And and that that's the nice thing with even though I wasn't writing Bo myself, you know, I could hear him behind me, you know, and he handled all of that stuff very gracefully. He did did really well. Well, that's terrific. So now well, let's so. talk about Bo at Tevis and the the numbers. Okay, the numbers is right now we only need 10 miles to reach 10,000. So hopefully we will get it this year at Tavis. And if so, this is also going to be his 10th 100. And also, I believe this will make Bo the highest mileage horse to ever complete the Tavis. Wow. Uh, right now, Smokey Killen's horse, Bandit, uh, reached set that record in 1985. He entered Tavis with like 9,920. And Bo is entering with 70 miles more than that, 9,990. So if you finish, he, Bo is going to go down in Tevis history. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's we terrific. Hope. I know. I know. And, the, you know, the, one of the coolest things about doing Tevis every, you know, even if I don't do it every year, is that it causes me to get everything fixed and repaired on my rig, makes <laughs> me go over all of my tack and my gear. I'm getting my awning fixed. I'm getting the brakes and bearings checked. And so it's that's and I'm also getting a new pair of tights, a new pair of Crazy Legs tights. I... So. She showed us. She sh now, for again for new listeners, Karen's kind of known for wild patterns on her tights when she rides at Tevis, and apparently every time you pick out a new one, right? If crazy legs, I like to. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, she showed us the pattern this year, and let's just say she will be scaring away the bears. There is no bear <laughs> that's going to come anywhere near her with these. On. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even describe them, but they're very colorful. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they custom make them, right? So you you'll have you'll she be unique. Has, yes, and she even makes a cell phone pocket for him. Oh. You know for when you know you want to have your cell phone with you but you kind of want it out of the way, but you want to be able to get to it quickly if you need to and Speaking of I mean which, the put your cell phone away from the mic. It is. It's in the other room. Oh. Okay, I had static. I thought that was from you. Okay, don't know where that was from. So, um, uh, yeah, so I am very excited for you. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so you, you've got everything fixed. The rig is ready to go. And everything costs 10 times more than it should when fixing a rig. And that's what we discovered that. Um, but uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, too. Um, now, we had a, somebody in the auditor room ask about uh, which boots they should buy that they're going to boots. And we might as well, uh, you had said that you ordered the renegades early and you've used renegades forever. We'll just put a plug in. We'll put the commercial in for renegades right here because okay. you've done, you've used renegades forever and you know, there's a couple different kinds of boots out there. Why renegades? So I, I know that that person's probably going to be listening today. Oh, okay. Well, first of all, renegades are made in the United States in Arizona, which is great. They employ um, dozens of people, which is wonderful. They make a great product. I've been using the renegade boots for, uh, well, gosh, 10 years now and thousands of miles in that time. I've used the strap-on version on Tevis and other hundreds, and that's mostly what I use because they're so easy and simple to put on. Um, for Tevis this year, I'm going with the glue-on version, which oh, you are? that way, yeah. yes, once I get 
once I get them glued on, then I never have to, you know, pick out the horse's feet. I don't, you know, have to spend any time the morning of the ride putting the boots on or during the entire ride. Hopefully I um, won't have any issues at all. And, and that's really, you know, kind of nice, you know, for something like a big event like Tevis or, you know, a special trip or something. The glue-ons are great for that. Um, but also I've got the option of the strap-on boots, which are both really nice. And they come in several colors. So yes, my boots are going to be matching with my tights and my tack. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And uh, yes, for those that do want to learn more about the boots, go to renegadehoofboots.com. And let's let's give a Tevis 101 here too for for new listeners. We have a lot of those to the show who aren't maybe endurance people. Describe, you know, what what is Tevis? Why is it so important? And where does it rank in endurance rides in the world? It's ranked as one of the most difficult and challenging endurance rides in the world. It um, starts in Truckee, California, and it finishes in Auburn. It goes 100 miles across the Sierra Which Mountains. Which is an interesting thing about it, too. It's one way. It's not around in circle and back to the it, beginning. Exactly. It's right. a point-to-point ride. And, I knew uh, that had a name, but I couldn't remember what it was. So. <laughs> yes. And so logistically, that makes it more challenging and more difficult Um you only actually typically have a chance to see your crews at the two one-hour holds, which is about one-third of the way and two-thirds of the way. But they have about 800 volunteers at this ride and a lo- very large hundred. Yes. It's, it's the biggest, I'm sure, biggest endurance event, you know, of its type you know, although I do know like the Quilty in Australia gets more entries, but I don't believe they have any kind of the logistical um, support and volunteers that the Tevis has. Wow. So you'll have two vet checks then? Two hour holds? No, two one hour holds. We actually have several vet checks. Okay. It's, um, yes, quite a few vet checks. You've got um, like two times they've checked you before the first hour hold, and then you have a couple or three more before you get to the next hour hold. And then after you leave that, you've got two more and then the finish. I think it's something like 10 altogether. So what happens logistically? So you have your support crew. They go to the first. Do they meet you at every vet check and also the holds? Are they constantly leapfrogging forward? Well, what I try to do now to make it a little easier is I try to have um, more than one crew. Originally, we just took a couple of our very best friends <laughs> and hoped that we'd still be friends later. And we would send them to all the checks all day long. But that would like run people ragged because they had to get up at the same time we did mm-hmm. to ride. And then they're running all day long and then they're staying up waiting for us to finish. So now what I try to do is I try to send a couple of different friends down into Robinson's to the first hour hold and then have a, a, a different set or add a different person to help um, at Forest Hill, and then possibly um, somebody different at the finish line for us so that they get a break and they can go take a nap or eat or or whatever. And that seems to work really well. Although a lot of the crews kind of like getting to do the whole thing throughout the whole day. But it's very exhausting crewing. It's hard work. It's like 30 hours of being up. Yeah, it just sounds that way. Now, does do like the vets? Do they have vets for every stop, or do they leapfrog forward? 
Yes, they leapfrog. Okay. So, so you might see one vet at the check-in, but then you won't see them again until you've gone 65 this, this miles. This is what makes this a little bit harder because a lot of the other endurance rides you'll do, you'll, you'll come into the same vet. Each, they don't have to move. You're coming into the same location, whereas this one is, it exactly. has to move. Right. And, and so at every check, they've got to have, well, they've got the radio people, they've got the number checkers, um, the, you know, in and out timers, the pulse people, the, um, the people helping the vet scribes and the vets. And then they've also got treatment vets in case somebody needs a horse treated. You know, they're, they're very good about pulling a horse from the ride and um, giving it fluids before it gets into serious trouble to avert, you know, any kind of serious thing. Um, going wrong and and that's that's why i always feel safe on tevis because i do feel like i'm in some of the best hands out there um with you know the support with with between all the volunteers ride management super experience and so are the vets and if you want to see some dramatic pictures just go to google images and search tevis cougar rock and you will see some of the most dramatic images, beautiful images you're ever going to see of uh, of of partnerships crossing a uh, a rather daunting uh, hill. So you'll you'll see that. Um, and there are 151 entries this year so far. I mean, I think that'll go up and down a little bit before we get it's the rides at the end of this month. It mm-hmm. looks to be five different countries. We have several from Australia. We have Mexico, the United States, Canada. Um, and Japan. So Japan, uh, do they always send over a couple? Usually. Uh-huh. Yeah. And do the people coming from like Australia and Japan, do they catch rides here? Yes, they lease horses typically. Gotcha. Okay. So that's interesting. And it looks like a lot of the riders obviously are West Coast. It's a haul from Florida. Well, we do have some Floridians sure. representing this year. Uh-huh. Uh, but you, uh, 151 is... A little less than the uh, last couple of years. I remember 180 in the last couple of years, but again, that could right. change. So, mm-hmm. last-minute entries like yours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on the list yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you'll make it. So, yeah, so I'm, it, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of the Kentucky Derby of endurance. This is yes. the one that you, you aim your life for. And we're going to have a newbie on today, somebody who hasn't ridden it before. Right, that's coming from Ohio. And a couple that have ridden it, in addition to Karen. So we're going to hear some stories today. Today's mm-hmm. going to be Tevis Story Day. But uh, we have Kristen here. Why don't we go to Kristen first, and then we'll get to your endurance tip, which kind of is an extension of that. So okay. uh, Kristen, of course, is from Distance Depot. She joins us every month to talk about uh, different products and things that help endurance riders and riders of all kinds. And Kristen knows a little bit about Tevis, too. Good morning, Kristen. Good morning. Good morning, Karen and Glenn. How are you? Good. This is our all Tevis day today. Great. So, well, I'm anxious to hear all the stories. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's so many great stories about this ride. Okay, so today I really want to talk about the human electrolytes because I know how important it is. At the last ride, I came in with a heat headache and I took some human electrolytes and by the last loop I felt great. So, they really, really help. So tell us about what you have. Okay. Well, we have a, a couple of different things. Um, we offer the Redmond Real Salt, um, basically salt um, for your table um, to replace the salt that you may have. It's um, definitely um, a healthier salt. It is mined um, in the U.S., and it's the 
basically nature's first sea salt. It's the so, only salt um, we use here at HRN headquarters. It, it's the only salt we have. Yeah. We love that salt. We love it, too. Yeah. yeah we it's love the same it thing. It as far as I understand, it's the same thing that they give the horses. It's just ground up, pretty much. Yes. Yeah. And it has 60-plus trace minerals, so it's really healthy um, and much better for you than, than regular table salt, which has been bleached and... and iodized and, and it tastes so good on. too so um, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it does taste good yeah. and they say take the sea salt difference and and taste the redmond brand and i mean there's a huge difference they also make a seasoned salt. salt like you put on steaks and stuff um they make their version of a seasoned salt too which is really good we have that as well it is well i have a small two ounce size and a 10 ounce size and so you can try that um if you're not um electrolyting already um, we also have the Noon brand of electrolytes for humans. Um, I contacted some of my rider friends who are also marathon runners, and this brand kept coming up over and over, and I really like this brand. It works well for me as well. Um, they're tablets, hydration tablets that you add to water, so pretty easy to carry in your rider pack or for your crew to carry for you if you have crew. Do you um, know, do they recommend you can take this- starting those before you ride, or does that have no advantage? Well, I suppose it depends on, on yourself. I, I, the electrolyte thing for everyone is a little bit different, but I would preload. If I were going to do Tevis, I would start and, and make sure that I was very well hydrated um, before I started, or, or any event, even just going out for your run. I mean, if you're not hydrating and and drinking, which obviously mixing it with water also helps you keep the water in there. So, um, you know, always a good thing. And I know that that brand, it's N-U-U-N. I know that that brand um, really promotes the fact that so many of the hydration drinks are loaded with sugar and theirs is not. And I know that's one of the big things that they really put talk about. Yes. And it has clean ingredients. They're plant-based sweeteners, um, so instead of just sugar. Um, and and I guess they contain one gram of sugar or less, so it's pretty low. Um, and it's a non-GMO source dextrose, so very healthy, gluten-free, um, soy-free. So um, obviously we're not being tested, but I know it for clean sports um, mm-hmm. runners so on it, it it's good for them i like what they say but, um, that much sugar belongs in ice cream not your sports drink that's, that's their right. text <laughs> exactly. um, and they're really good tasting and they don't taste diety to me at all um, and they have great flavors we have an active and we also have an energy and the energy um side of the elite has a green tea so um extract so again plant-based caffeine but um, gives you that little extra boost um, for those who might need that. <laughs> Me! <laughs> yeah, citrus, lemon, lime, orange, grape, all kinds of great flavors. So try these. They're really, they're really good, and I think you'll like them. Yes, electrolytes, I guess, are great for riders and horses. Let's just quickly mention your horse electrolytes, because I know you have several different types. So just we tell do. us about those. Yeah, there are so many out there. We have, of course, the tubes of electrolytes, which are convenient, easy to carry in your packs, you know, pre-mixed 
fast-absorbing. Um, we have Light Now, which is a popular brand, and these come in single-dose tubes and um, like a 30cc tube, and then we have 80cc tubes where there are three doses, so bigger tubes, um, mm-hmm. better kick for your buck. We have the Peak Performance um, electrolyte. Those are no sugar, um, so they're all sugar-free electrolytes, and you end up giving a little bit less because it's not... They don't have a lot of fillers and so on, so um, more concentrated electrolytes and sugar-free for those that are concerned about that. Um, There's also Enduramax, which has been on the market for years and years, um, and it has a buffer, their paste, so helping the stomach um, because when you're electrolyting heavily, um, you have to start being concerned about the, the stomach being irritated. Mm-hmm. So you have to be careful about that, but every horse is different. And then, of course, we have economical powders. We have a Perform and Win, which is really palatable. The horses love it. Um, it does have sugar, <laughs> which is what makes it so palatable. Uh-huh. But, like, for uh-huh. our guys, it's about 100 degrees here every day lately, and they're just standing out there in the field sweating. So when they get their breakfast in the morning, I put a scoop of Perform and Win in. They like it, and it makes them drink. Immediately, they come out of their stalls, go over and have a great big drink. So I know it's keeping them hydrated. Oh, good. And um, one of the things... Then, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead oh, and finish. Okay. Oh, well, well, I was, I was just going to go on to others, but go ahead. I was just going to mention the dosing syringes, because I think those are a really cool idea for for yeah. the powders. Yeah. that you can So you can yeah. mix up your own and use the syringes. Yes, you can make up your own formula. We have a lot of riders out there making up their own formula, adding calcium and potassium. And as you become more educated and ask more questions and learn all what's best for your horse, absolutely. We have um, a 60cc dosing syringe, which is really just a a regular-looking syringe. We have a larger um, dosing syringes that have metal tips, so when you're inserting it into the horse's mouth, you can't crack the plastic tube. Um, and they're very easy. You can, <clears throat> pardon me, draw up. If you have it all mixed up in a bowl, for instance, you can really draw up the um, uh, electrolytes, whether you mix it with applesauce or some people use Maalox water. Just draw it up in the syringe, and then it's easy to administer. We have mm-hmm. a 70cc dosing mm-hmm. syringe and then a 200. Um, the 200, of course, is bigger, so... You know, sometimes the guys do a little better with those because their hands are a little larger. It's more difficult for me. Sure. I like the 70cc or the 60cc. Right. These um, just look but, more like you're going to be more successful with actually getting the electrolytes in the horse instead exactly. of all over you. <laughs> yes. And they have, yeah, the, the metal portion of it that you insert, it's easier to get it back on the back of the tongue because it's long and thin. So you can place it on the back of the tongue and, and really dose it in there. Right. Okay, so if somebody was interested in ordering from you, how would they go about contacting you? Well, they can visit us at www.thedistancedepot.com and or give us a call toll-free, 866-863-2349. Well, great. Thank you for joining us, Kristen. Have a great day. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, let's continue that before uh, our next guest is going to be a few minutes yet. Let's continue that with you kind of wanted to talk about riders keeping cool. And beside electrolytes, what can you do? And you certainly have a lot of experience with trying to keep cool during long rides. Exactly. And I've talked about keeping the horses cool, but now I'm just 
kind of going to give some tips on keeping the writer cool, which these are things I need to ingrain into my Tevis brain head so that I remember them. Um, some of the things that a writer can do to keep cool is to use a helmet visor like a Debrim or a, there's also other brands. Um, use a cooling vest. They work really well in a lot of conditions. Not always so good when there's really high humidity, but a lot of Tevis is pretty hot and dry. Um, so rides like that, the cooling vests are great. And they are currently, I noticed on sale at the Distance Depot right now. And uh, Keep the cooling vest wet. You have to remember that. It's really easy. You get so busy taking care of your horse. As riders, we need to remember to take care of ourselves um, kind of first because if we aren't coherent and you know, keeping up with our own, you know, hydration and cooling, we're not going to be much use to our horses. So it's real important for us. Remember to keep, you know, cooling your vest off. Um, I've been using arm sleeves on some rides this year, along with long sleeve sun shirts. And sometimes just splashing some water on the arms really helps give you that kind of a refrigeration effect once you start moving back down the trail again, and that helps cool you off. Um, it's important to stay hydrated and take electrolytes. They really do help. Um, the newer cooling towels, which I first learned about these a couple years ago at Tevis, made by Equa Cool Down, which is in Florida, and they use them there. So we know these do work very well even in humidity humidity conditions. Je yeah, Jennifer's used those, and she also always, when she's riding here in Florida, always uses the long sleeve shirts. Uh huh. Yeah. It helps. And those are also available at the Distance Depot. Um, putting, you know, if you're at a water stop, putting water over your head, or a lot of people will just dip their helmets and pour it right over the top of their head to kind of help you know, cool yourself off, um, stay in the shade when you can, you know, when you're on a break and stuff, try to, um, you know, watch where you're at and get into the shade for you and your horse. That's important. And also look at the, consider the ground temperatures. If you're stopped on a break, you know, standing your horse and you over, you know, hot pavement, it could reach 130 or 40 or 50 degrees versus walking, you know, maybe a few yards over and getting into some softer dirt, which is going to be a little bit cooler because heat really radiates up from the ground. That's why the canyons and Tevis feel so hot because the, the everything is just radiating. The heat is radiating up. So um, just kind of pay attention to that. And then just mainly as a writer, like I said, focus on paying attention and keeping yourself cool and hydrated you know, eat something, you know, um, just take care of yourself and then take care of your horse. How much does, the, how much, um, does the temperature change from, uh, from the different elevations that you're at during Tevis? It can change quite a bit. It usually, I don't ever remember it getting as cold as freezing, Probably in the morning when we're starting, I would guess maybe 50 or 60 degrees. Uh, most of the riders don't start out wearing jackets, or if they do, it's something like a light sweatshirt or something or a windbreaker um, because it warms up pretty quick. Um, the canyons have been rumored to be, you know, between 110 or 20 degrees. Wow. And That's then hot. at night, <laughs> it cools back down a little bit, you know, um, a lot of times I remember writing, you know, it's midnight and it's still 70 degrees or more. Mm -hmm. um, it, so it just depends on the year. Some years it's a little cooler. I, I would not ever call it cold, though. But 
it can be cool. And then, of course, extremely hot. I just, you know, mentally, I tell myself, it's only going to be hot for this one window of time during the entire 24 hours. So I just need to deal with, you know, say from maybe one or two o'clock until five or six, that that's the time where it's going to be the hottest. And so a lot of those times are spent in the canyons. Um, and then once you get through it, you're like, you know, you can tell yourself, okay, now it's going to cool off. I'm through the, you know, the most difficult part and it's going to get better. And you, you just kind of got to ride from point to point, you know, each fed check point and tell yourself, okay, now the worst is behind me. And right, it's going right. to get better. <laughs> Even if it's not true, you I just tell yourself telling that. myself that from mile one. What are you talking about? So, <laughs> well, you got to do that if you're doing a hundred miles anyway, don't you? You do. Yes. <laughs> I, you just, exactly. And I, what I do is I say, okay, this is 24 hours from when I start. And so, you know, if I've ridden an hour or two hours, it's like, okay, it's going to be over in, you know, 21 hours or 20 hours and that's all. And then it, it's like, or I'll tell myself, like, if I, I've been riding on the trail for several hours. I'm thinking, you know what? In 24 hours from now, I'm going to be in bed asleep. <laughs> Well, in just a minute here, we're going to talk to our one of our first of our three guests today talking about Tevis, and they all have stories to tell. Do you have a quick story from Tevis that just is, I mean, you've ridden it so many times, there must be those memorable moments. Well, I have one with a crew. Uh, one of the, I believe it was probably the first time I did Tevis on bow, and the crew was really busy chatting away when I came into Robinson's flat, and um, I was wearing plain tan pants, very well boring you know, for bo you. Jeez, <laughs> very well. Okay, well this is why. Okay, this is wait for it. Okay, so I come in and they have me on video walking, leading Bo down the hill towards you know into the PNR spot, and you can hear them both chatting, 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 chatting away. So I come in and I don't see them, you know, because you come in, you're with your horse, you're kind of loosening up your tack, pulling the bit, you know, you're focusing on getting him to the water. So I didn't see him. So I kept going and I end up in the pulse box or at the pulse box and I still don't see him. So I pull my own tack, dump it on the ground. I go in, bolt pulses down. I go through, I do the full vet check. I come out. And I searched all over and I couldn't find them and I couldn't find my stuff. <laughs> you lost your and, crew. <laughs> oh my gosh. Because they were so busy chatting, they didn't see me come in. But the irony was that they've got it on video. <laughs> so, so the next year, <laughs> remember the picture of me going up Cougar Rock with the bright orange yes, vest yes, and the yes, super, and the super bright tights? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's why, because it's like, if I fall off and fall 2,000 feet, they're going to still be able to see me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it is amazing, too. We're going to get to our guests now. But it is amazing, considering this ride and how difficult it is, how few people and horses are hurt uh, doing this ride. And I think that's because, you know, the most experienced are out there. And I think that makes a difference. Right. Uh, right. You know, no, no, no rookie is going to take this ride on. So <laughs> it's like that, that also helps. All right. Our, your guest is ready. Okay. We have Laura Wareham, who is from the Pacific South region writing or talking to us this morning. And she's 
going to be riding Tevis again this year. She rides a gated horse named Spin Out Merlin and has ridden over 1,100 endurance miles and 1,000 limited distance miles. So thank you for joining us, Laura. How are you today? I'm doing well. Good morning. You're awake? awake? You're also on the I am awake. Oh, good. (laughs) Good. Okay, well, let's start out. Tell us about Merlin. Um, he is a right now, well, this year he's a 20 year old Tennessee walking horse that we got off of Craigslist. Um, I wasn't his original owner. My friend, Sarah, who's also an endurance rider, she found Wait a minute. looking for a Craigslist horse that worked. What? Let's start there. <laughs> <laughs> so he was a $200 Craigslist. Oh, pony. yay. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, pot belly, upside down, no muscle, um, scared of everything. Like he just, he was, he was not having the world. Um, but at the same time, we saw something in him that we kind of were like, well, yeah, he'll make a great endurance pony. This is the bestest idea. (laughs) (laughs) And for me, I had no idea what I was getting into because I was along for the ride. Um, I met Sarah through my boyfriend and was really not a horse rider at the time. I actually went through veterinary uh, technician school and hated large animal. I thought horses were great to look at across the fence, but if you touch them, you're going to get killed. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it was kind of a, a feat that six years later that now I'm going for my third Tevis. I'm not quite sure exactly what happened, but <laughs> there was some kind of red pill or green pill involved, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, none of us are sure what happened. <laughs> Okay, so tell us a little bit about uh, your Tevis story. Uh, um, there's a lot of them. You guys help me out here. <laughs> okay, well, let's start with your very first Tevis. Start with the first one. Okay. So my first Tevis was 2016, and that was the Tevis that I should not, we should not have completed. Um, everybody told me that I had my horse was too broken, a little old. There was too many things wrong with him. Um, the year before our first Tevis, he got hurt. We went to Virgin Outlaw and he got off the trailer and was missing for nine hours. Um, oh. Dropped a bunch of weight. And that's when I figured out that he had a bunch of um, other problems. He's got a broken pole, um, two fractures in his neck. He's got adhesions in his withers. He's got kissing spine. He's got uh, some cracks in his ribs. And we found all this out through ultrasound when I was uh, learning about saddle fit from reactor panel. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so, so he, you know, he's a conundrum on how he's able to still do this. And the fact that we're going for our third just kind of melts my mind. Um, nice. But, yeah, our first, <laughs> our first Tevis was literally like, well, let's see if we can make it to each checkpoint. And that's kind of how I rode the ride. Um, we started out, he vetted in. And we were all prepared that he wouldn't even be able to vet in because we had done um, a ride, I think a month ahead of that, where the vet was like, so how does your horse move? He doesn't trot. I'm like, well, think camel. And they're like, "Um, (laughs) so how about you get him to trot? And I was like, no, no, no. If you want that, we'd have to set up poles. And so his vet card um, said he was grade one lame in his right front and his right rear. So I was like, well, shit, I'm never going to make it through this. <laughs> so <Wow>. our crew, <laughs> our crew, we like brainstormed on how to be able to get him through every check 
like I had a video on my phone and the whole the whole thing. So we're like, okay, we are gonna do this, <laughs> but we're gonna do this one check at a time. So every check, we you know the vet would be like, so think camel, <laughs> and you've seen John Henry move, right? Okay, uh-huh. so blur that, and then he's. Just yeah, don't, com- don't don't compare him to that beautiful Arab that just went. <laughs> but every every check we somehow squeezed by, and every check, even though I had no idea that he'd be able to pulse down every time. Every time he pulsed down, and we were making you know not we weren't fast, but we were ahead of the cutoff the whole day. And by the time I came to Lower Corey, I was just like, I'm at Lower Corey how in the heck did I make it to Lower Cory? So I sang the Bonanza song, coming down the hill into Lower Cory, and the volunteers were like, what the? We haven't seen a happy person in hours. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Well, you had... Yeah, we came in. Let's reverse a little bit, too, I think. We need to reverse a little (laughs) bit because everybody was telling your horse couldn't do it, but you had just come off some traumatic years, too. Uh, yeah, that. one or two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so cancer, and you had what thirteen surgeries and chemo and the whole thing. So, for you, this must have felt like a major, a major thing to accomplish. It was um, for me. It was huge because when I was diagnosed, I had uh, stage four breast cancer that had already metastasized to my liver. Um, when my first test came back, I had cancer in lymph nodes in my chest, uh, my neck, into my abdomen. Um, so my doctor, instead of doing a full-blown double mastectomy, remove all the lymph nodes, was like, well, let's treat you for a way of life. Um, he knew that I was a dancer and athletic, that he didn't want to wreck that. He wanted me to be able to keep my mind and still continue life as someone who was 31 years old. And, um, you know, that was, that was huge because I was still able to kind of still do life, but still go through 13 weeks of chemo. I lost all my hair, lost a lot of weight. Um, the surgeries that didn't help. Um, my memory is shot. So a lot of my, you know, a lot of my things have changed. I have a journal. I try to, you know, I write everything down. Um, and my first fundraiser, because when I got Merlin, or kind of started to experience him, he, you know, like, it's a horse. That's the best thing you give someone with stage four cancer. Um, so my first fundraiser to help me get a saddle is called Six Months, Two Years. Because in the beginning, that's what I was diagnosed um, with life. Mm. Now I'm six years out from that, and I am a, I don't know, 1% or something that's able to keep going. And I swear the reason, and I tell this to everyone and I'm never afraid to tell my cancer story. If anyone has any questions that, you know, you just got to keep going and having a horse was huge. I, I couldn't believe that I bonded with this animal and he bonded with me. And now we're doing these things. Um, and after it's interesting, mark, it's interesting and amazing that one you were able to come through that, but also come through that with a horse who also had his own set of problems, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. between the two of us, we were kind of a train wreck. We we should never <laughs> made it through our first tevas, um, let alone just making it through endurance rides. And I'll have to say that Dave and Annie Nicholson with the XP World. 
um, they, they were, they were huge. Like I, Annie kind of just fell in love with me and, you know, took me in and just kind of was like, I helped volunteer for her and she, you know, helped me, you know, see the rides and really experience. And that whole, a- like that part of the AARC world was, became my little circus family and just gave me a lot of push and gump and go. Um, and then I started doing uh, other things, AARC rides and meeting more people after I got not shy and the support out there is huge. So, you know, I see on Facebook or on the social media that people don't know if they can do this with handicaps or things going on. And it's so not true. It's like, you know, there's so much support out there. It's huge. It's cool. Well, I got to ask you then that leads to the next question. And I know you've thought about this is without Merlin, would you still be here? Nah, no, I know nope. you thought about that. There's no way yeah. I would. Yeah, no. I I think about that. That's probably my one um, cancer. Like it gets to me. Like I think if I didn't have the th- series of things that happened in my life back back six years ago, I wouldn't be alive. Well, it, that that little horse, that little inexpensive horse, was dumped in your lap for a reason. Yes, everything happens for yeah. a reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know and what? So- the fact that he did have problem problems helped you really focus on him and not you. Uh, if he had been the perfect horse with no problems and no idiosyncrasies and no health issues, you know, there's a reason this particular horse was put in your life is because it did also help you oh. focus on on Merlin. Yeah, it yeah. did, and that focus on Merlin. I mean, I learned so much about horses, nutrition, body, feet. I've like I have a barefoot farrier business now um, in my area. So I trim, I trim feet. I, my new career is I wanted something that's a little bit more easygoing and to get me outside and able to ride more as a younger rider um, before retirement. I now have a horse and rider massage business. And this is all from Merlin being able to do his body work, stretches, Mm-hmm. Uh, trigger point and muscle release. I've now started my own business as a horse and rider massage. So at rides, I have my teepee, and I offer, and I'm go- I'm going to be to, sorry, be at fireworks and uh, set up my table in the clubhouse, and I do relaxation and stretching, and I do that for horses too. So I, you know, people approach me for either or, and it's been so awesome to kind of take what I've been learning for Merlin and help other people learn how to care for their horses the way I've really enjoyed learning for mine. Are you excited about riding again this year? I'm petrified, <laughs> but I'm super excited. <laughs> after, after last year, I am, I am not sure. I am very happy that we don't have to do Duncan Canyon as of now. Right. Um, that's right. It that, was different that was, last year. Yes. I remember now. Yeah, it was. It was a great trail to see, but I would never want to see now, that Now, there was again. a detour last year because of weather, right? Wasn't mm-hmm. that the story? Yeah. I remember right? Yeah. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. snow on top. That's right. So there was a detour. So there, you guys had yeah, to do a route you normally don't take. Why was that route so bad, Laura? <laughs> uh, for me, I, I mean, I don't know about other people, but I, the time being able to do the timing right was, was bad. So out of Soda Springs, I wasn't in Pen 1. Um, I was in pen two and there was a controlled start and the controlled start by the time we finally got to get over the bridge where the, they let us go 
we already had lost about half hour to 45 minutes. And in Tevis, as everyone knows, is your time is huge. So by the time I hit the road, I was riding with people and I was like, Hey guys, we got to go. We've lost tons of time. And they didn't want to overtax their horses in the beginning, which is very smart. Um, and that's normally how I ride, but that year, last year, I just booked it down that 10 mile road or I don't know how many miles it was, um, made it down into Duncan Canyon. But the thing about that Canyon for me was it was single track, which that's no biggie, but there was this layer of fine silt dust. So as horses went through it, if you weren't the leader, you couldn't see your trail and there was hidden rocks and hidden stumps and hidden roots in that. Mm -hmm. So it was just. No matter right. how sure-footed your horse was, it was exactly. impossible they, not to see. Yeah, then they can't see it either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, so they can't see it, and um, it was just humid and muggy, so we got rained on, hailed on, cold, hot, cold, um, and then humid. And I guess from the gut study, what I found out at the conference was that Tevis last year was at 76% humidity, which was the most humid hundred mile ride that they had in their study, including one that was back East. Wow. Yeah. So it was, it was an interesting ride last year. So I'm very excited for hopefully a normal hot dry. (laughs) (laughs) A normal hot, just normal hot. (laughs) A normal hot. I mean, you know, I pray for wind, you know, cool weather. Sure. But if there's a nice breeze, that would be epic. (laughs) Exactly. Well, Laura, we wish you well and good luck. And I hope to see you at the finish for your third time. Well, I got to ask you one more question before you go. Do do you go through the vet checks easier now? Are they used to seeing Merlin and now everything's better or... Uh, yeah, last year, a lot of vets did recognize him because I give him kind of the, the war horse look. Yeah. Um, he sports the mohawk a lot like John Henry um, because he's got the, the thick-bodied neck. And he comes in this big black thing, and everyone's like, is he Percheron? I'm like, no, 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 Walker. But this year, um, he's way more recognized in the AARC world. So I'm pretty sure that they'll know who he is. And, um, yeah, I hope, I hope to see the finish line because it would be neat to kind of boast that, you know, a 20 year old Tennessee walking horse can complete Tevis three times, but you know, if not, it's a party. (laughs) Right. They get, I I can tell you one thing for sure is eat the horse that goes through multiple times. They get better each time. So I think you're going to have a, Oh yeah. Yeah. Last year I was, I was cooked by Laura Corey. I had a lot of problems with the humidity and he knew where we were. I mean, I, I hadn't experienced that on the Tevis before, but he knew. And literally, I hung on to his mane. And he's like, I got this lady. Cool. Just hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Good for him. All right. Well, Thank thanks, you. Laura. We're going to yeah. be following. We'll be following. We Good luck. All righty. All right. <laughs> thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Have a great day. Right, bye-bye. You too. Okay. There's a story, huh? She was I supposed know. to be not here five years ago. And look at her. Doing her third Tevis. Isn't that awesome? And yeah. it's so cool. I love hearing about the horses too that overcome things. What an amazing story. Well, we're going to take a little bit of a break for a song. We're going to come back with our next guest. Kelly is going to be here, Kelly Fryman, and this is her first Tevis. So we're going to talk to her about what jitters she has. So that's coming up in just a minute. And then another story, another harrowing story of somebody who was a two-time Tevis finisher coming up a little later in the show who had quite a year in 2015. I can't wait to hear those stories, too. All of that coming right up. 
first word that I ever said Visions of galloping in my head Manes flowing, tails held high I knew that I was born to ride I was born to ride Like a bird was born to fly Fish gotta swim, sun's gotta shine Love me Love my horse Cause that's the way I'm gonna spend my life Cause I was born to ride Kennedy with Born to Ride. You can find all of her songs at MaryAnnKennedy.com. Our next guest is ready. First timer. Yes, Kelly Moore Fryman. She is an endurance rider from Ohio that is coming to her first Tevis this year. She rides a horse named Praise the Lord and has oh, uh, 5,000 miles and has been riding since 2001. So welcome. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. Are you excited? Oh my gosh, I am beyond excited. There are no words in this world that can explain how I feel and how emotional I am. <laughs> you have Tev- so it's safe to say you have Tevis brain. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> does it get worse or does it get better? <laughs> <laughs> That's a roller coaster. <laughs> we'll let you know but at you the know end of the race, right? We'll let you know right. at the end. Yes. You're not alone though. So, you know, that's the kind of cool thing. Everybody can understand what you're going through that's been there. Everybody but my husband. He doesn't quite get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he would get along great with my husband. All right. I got to I gotta stop you there. I want to ask you, because I am America's horse husband. I have to ask you about that. So he, he kind of gets the normal endurance stuff, but is, is he terrified for you doing Tevis? Does he get Tevis, what it is? I'm not quite sure that he gets the actual Sierra Nevadas. This is Tevis. You're going to ride on the side of a mountain part. The part that I think he's most nervous about is the mechanical part of me getting there safe with my truck and trailer um, thousands of miles away from home, untouchable by him, but only touchable by, you know, perhaps a tow truck on the side of the road. I think Mm. that scares him the most. So he's not coming along? 
He's not joining you for this adventure. He is not. Yeah. He is not. I'm bringing two of my uh, bestest girlfriends. One has done endurance for many, many years, and one is so excited. I think she's almost a little more excited about Tevis than I am. Um, So I have two great crew people coming along with me. (laughs) Well, tell us about your horse. So praise the Lord, he's a standard bred Arab, and I actually bred and raised him. So I have a lot um, on my plate. I created the monster that he is <laughs> and take full, full responsibility for that. Um, he's a very strong horse, very opinionated, um, just a good, good work ethic, loves to go down the trail and loves to do his job. I feel very confident that together we're going to get this enormous goal completed. Has he done any technical trails in your area? Um, yes, we um, have done, well, I'm trying to think technical what we've done. Well, we went to Utah last year and did a duck ride, the Virgin Outlaw, oh, um, did three okay. of the five days. Right, so you rode that Red Mountain Trail with the drops and yes. it's very, very narrow. Yes. Tevis is much wider. You'll be fine. That's what I was told. That's what I was told. They said if you can get if you can get down um, Blue Fly, you'll be just fine. So oh, here we yes. come. You did. Did you do the Blue Fly going up or going down? Oh, did we lose her? Uh oh. Up, oh, Jennifer. I, I think. I think we. We lost her. Oh, yes, you know what? Blue- Hold on. We lost our our connection to the call-in studio. We have to call back. So you're going to hear a little bit of... It, Thank yep, you it, for calling horses yeah, in the morning. It's us you that got disconnected. You may listen to the show while waiting. Oh. Okay. All right, we're back. We're back. Sorry about that. We got okay. cut off this time. Okay. All right. Okay. So okay. go ahead, Karen. I was just going to ask her on the blue fly. Did you ride up it or down it? We went down. And the funny thing is I was riding with um, Christoph Shork and Kevin Waters and Stephanie Chase. And we get to the top and they're like, they're popping off their horses like popcorn. Well, in Ohio, we stay on our horses. So they get off and they like, they disappear down the mountain. And I'm like, that happened to um, me my first time I was with Christoph and he hopped off and I'm like, I'm going to stay on. Well, once we started down it, I was too afraid to get off. I know. Well, I didn't know. Praise is not used to that. And he's used to, I've demanded his entire life that he walks next to me. That's not quite safe on that trail. So we managed to get down it. All right. Now for all of us who haven't ridden it, somebody has to explain this trail. Okay. So the trail might be 12 inches wide, maybe. And it's a, a sheer drop off both ways up and down on on both sides of you so here praise is trying to walk on my right side um about five feet on top of me (laughs) so i'm i'm panicking and he wants to circle so the down circle is he's five feet below me and i'm trying to get him behind me and finally i was just praying that they would go on because i was riding entirely too fast for my little ohio horse (laughs) out there in the mountains so they they went on, but I got to the bottom of Blue Fly, and there they were waiting. And I went, oh no! So anyway, we got back on, and we continued to the lunch break, and then I sent them on. But um, yeah, Blue Fly definitely makes you think about the trail. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to yes. do that without a horse. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it. It and it's steep in spots. It's pretty slippery going down it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and here I am oh, yeah. on my feet. 
And then we have the elevation, you know, I am not used to that at all. So I am like, thank goodness, going down, wheezing, trying to gasp for air. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly, are you going out a little early for that reason? Are you going to go out a little early? We, no, no. no. So I, the advice that I've been given is you either go out two weeks ahead and you can correct me if I'm wrong, or you go, you know, just a couple days. Um, with my work schedule, I'll be leaving here in Ohio on July 22nd. We're going to take five days or less to get out there. So we're going right to Roby. I will not go to the fairgrounds until we're done. That's actually, that. I think that works because it's hotter in Auburn. Roby is cooler. Right. And I've heard both sides of that coin as well. Someone said, we like to bake our horses in the hot sun so that when they get to Roby, they feel more refreshed. So this whole trip. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And it's all in how you look at things. I'm going, I'm going to complete my visualization every single day as I see that finish line banner and it's me on praise and we're riding underneath it. Great. That's Great. perfect. So, that is perfect. And you know, one thing about horse people is you always have multiple opinions, and they're all right. That's one uh-huh. thing about horse <laughs> in their own in their own mind. Yes, they're all right. <laughs> exactly. You got to do what works. And I'll have my own. I'll have my own opinion next year. <laughs> <laughs> and it okay, will be well, absolutely right. <laughs> well, I will look yes. for you at Roby Park on Friday because I'll have something for you. Wonderful. <laughs> and uh yeah i haven't told glenn yet about the the tevis angels but but that's it's how so i amazing first contacted with with kelly glenn is i offered on my facebook page for any of my first time uh my friends first time writing tevis that i would make them a tevis angel which includes uh the tail hair from both of my endurance horses and it's a basically it's like a guardian angel that will uh fly along with you and keep you safe and oh, that's uh, cool uh, that is so, so cool <laughs> and you got uh, hair a, from two horses that between them probably have what 18,000 miles so that has to bring some kind of good luck more like 25 oh, 25 <laughs> It's amazing. Amazing. What you is know, the you thing think that about, you're... I, I talk... go, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, just... no, no, go ahead. I was just going to ask, what is the thing that you're most concerned about? What is the thing that worries you the most about this particular ride? I'm not worrying about anything. <laughs> because I feel you. like... No, listen, I feel like when you admit that there's a worry inside, you emulate it to the outside. So I am going with no worries, no apprehensions. Of course I have them, but I'm not saying them out loud. Okay, well then let me, let me change um, that. What is the thing you're most excited about about this particular ride? The buckle. I'm going to go and I paid for that buckle and that sucker is coming home with me. <laughs> are, you, are you planning on going over Cougar Rock? To the what? I'm sorry. Are you planning on going over Cougar Rock? Oh, yes. Yeah, we're going over the rock. (laughs) I got to have that picture. (laughs) So it's the the only thing that the only thing that would change my mind on that is if there were like 15 people waiting, then I'm going to have to go around because I've got to think of the time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think that picture and the buckle are the two things, right, that that every endurance rider yeah, wants yeah. is that picture and the buckle. I know yeah. we've only used Karen's picture about a thousand times in, in everything we've <laughs> right? promoted I know. here. So. 
Well, any, any picture that you see anywhere, you know immediately where that picture was taken, either Cougar Rock or the finish line. I mean, immediately. I bought something from someone off of Facebook, and I saw her profile picture, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to talk to her. That's the finish line. I mean, everybody <laughs> knows those two pictures. Well, and if anybody's just going, what the heck's famous. Cougar Rock? If you're not an endurance rider, just go to Google Images and search Cougar Rock Tevis, and you'll see oh. a million pictures. And you'll understand after you yeah. see them what we're talking about. Uh, Yes, for sure. It's a little turn to the right and up and over. <laughs> Is that right, Karen? She's, a little turn to the right and up and over? She's got it all planned out already. Yeah, no, there are volunteers there that are going to direct you if you need to be directed. But yes, if yeah. you, I mean, you sound like you're, you know, you're a strong, confident writer, you're going to go right over it. Um, when I, Every time I go over it, I think, God, that picture's not going to turn out because... It, felt like my horse just kind of walked over it. And then I'm so excited right. when I the picture later because, uh, you know, the pictures really make it more dramatic than it actually is. It's really not as big of a deal. So just don't, mm-hmm. don't let that, you know. <laughs> Says the girl who's to- done it eight times. <laughs> I know, it's amazing. I, I told her in my little Facebook when we were talking yesterday, I am going out to ride with the elite because this is the elite in my mind of our sport. So Karen is definitely in that group of elite. Well, I am so looking forward to meeting you in person and I wish you the best of luck this year and I will see you in a couple of weeks. Have, have a safe trip. Awesome. Out. Thank you. So Karen, thank you. And thanks well, for including you, me on this little fun. Before you go, Kelly, uh, Karen, we'd be remiss sure. if we, you've done this eight times, right? You've completed what seven you said earlier. Yes. So mm-hmm. um, what is the thing what is the thing that you tell? What, what is the thing that you told Kelly? What is the thing that you tell other first timers about this particular ride? Ride from check to check. Just Which means? Means go from one check to the next check. And uh, each time you go, you know you're, you know, you're that much farther. So just yes. one step at yes. a time, basically. <laughs> one step at a time. Yes, exactly. And, yeah. And, um, you, oh. you know, the, just visualize just and, and once you've already started, you can always tell yourself in 24 hours from now, I'm going to be done. <laughs> yes. Yes. So this, let me give you a little more, a little more information. So not only was this my year of my 5,000 miles, this is also my 50th year. I turned 50 this year. So this is a lot of stuff going on. I ran my first half marathon this year. Wow, um, I'm doing you. Tevis this year. So it's a big year. Good for you. <laughs> wow. That's amazing, yeah. actually. So, and that yeah, just goes to show you, have to get- you can get into endurance at any age, right? I mean, that's one of the things well, we've talked sure. about before Definitely. with endurance, is you can get in at any age, and you're proving that. It's but. exciting because you can come with any horse, any tack, any mentality, and as long as you train for what you're asking of your horse, you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, good yep. luck. Yep. We'll be following <laughs> you, yeah. and uh, we'll be seeing you at the finish line. Awesome. I bought my tracker this morning, so we're ready to go. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, awesome. Kelly. Thanks, Kelly. Bye-bye. Well, there you go. We are meeting some of the most amazing people today who are doing this particular ride. We have one more to come. Actually, the next guest uh, is not doing it this year. She's uh, eight and a half pregnant. <laughs> yeah, J- Jennifer's getting Natalie on now, but she's uh, she's like about to have a baby. So uh-huh. she's not going to be out there riding, but uh, I want to hear her story from two- 2015. It sounds like she had a wild time. So. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> there are so many stories. Everybody that goes to Tevis has a story. Where can people follow Tevis if they want to follow? They kind of have trackers that go all day long. That's how we follow you. Um, right. So tell everybody how they follow along, where they go, what they do. They have a webcast, so you can go to teviscup.org, and their Twitter feed is at twitter.com slash tevisnews, or just go to Twitter and type in tevisnews, and from there, you can see the posts, or also the uh, teviscup.org page will, once it gets closer to the ride and the ride actually starts, they will have the live, live webcast link, and what you'll do there is you will go look up your rider by name and get their writer number. And then you go to the the live webcast database, type in your writer number and it will pull them up and it will show you their or you know in and out times of every check and how far they are along the course. Or if they unfortunately might get pulled, it will show where they were pulled. And, it, and, and it's kind of like when we follow the Mongol Derby, we call it the dot following party. We follow the dots. It's yes, kind of, it's similar gonna, to that. Yes, I was going to mention, and then they also have trackers. Some of the writers will get the trackers so that uh, their crew can also log in and follow the, their writer with the trackers so they know exactly where they're at, which is Are you going to have a tracker? Can we follow you? I, I think I probably will. You better. Um, We're all going to be following along. We want to know where you are. Okay. <laughs> and I will. And we'll let you know where every uh, all of our numbers ahead of time. So and for the auditors, we will start an auditor chat in the auditor room to follow Karen on Tevis Day. So okay. everybody can hop in and out of there and uh, check in and chat about Karen's progress. Uh, and uh, so I think that'll be, a, that'll be a lot of fun this year to do that. Yeah. Well, somebody who's done it before is not doing it this year is Natalie, right? Yes, Natalie Sundstrom. She's finished yeah. it. Got 1,900 miles and five one-day hundreds. And she is here to tell us about a little bit of past Tevis writing history. So good morning and welcome, Natalie. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Good. Good. Now, if you start going into labor, you're very <laughs> pregnant, <laughs> I hear. If you start going into labor, let us know and we'll let you go, okay? <laughs> so. <that's, that's... laughs> Although we've never had one of those on labor now, I'm in big trouble. (laughs) (laughs) We, you know, in in 7,000 episodes, we've never had a baby born on the air. So maybe we'll just keep you on and uh, run it out. You know, why don't we check back like September when I'm actually due? Oh, I thought you were like eight and a half months pregnant. (laughs) So. Oh, I, I think I, she said eight I and a half months pregnant the on the ah, okay, day of the got ride. It. Got it. Okay, so got it. Crewing at eight and a half months pregnant, you may have a Tevis baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I think I'd be okay with that. That would be quite a Tevis story, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Another one. <laughs> start, start him young, right? <laughs> uh huh. Okay, well, let's tell us about your 2015 Tevis story. So 2015 was my first year attempting Tevis. It was my first hundred attempt and it was my horse's first hundred attempt. Um, We moved out here in 2013 from the East Coast, always having heard about the Tevis Cup and it was our goal and my biggest dream so it was a a huge thrill to actually make it to the starting line um I started and had planned on riding with um 
my uh, my coworker and boss Jennifer Mather. Um, we started the ride together, and I was so happy to have found somebody who had done a hundred before, who knew the trail, who would lead me through the dark loops, you know, cow loops, and so it was great. We had a a great start. It was a beautiful morning, and we had made it almost to Red Star. Um, I think we were about a mile out of Red Star and came around a corner and there was a man laying on the trail, snuggling a rock with his head, uh, passed out. He had gotten bucked off his mule. This was uh, Roger Downey, one of the uh, mule guys who rides quite a bit. And uh, he had just gotten bucked off and um, the two of us are both veterinarians and we looked at each other and said, okay, let's, you know, we may not be doctors, but we're going to get off and help this guy. And, um, uh, of course, everybody going by afterwards kept asking if we needed anything. And we just kept asking if anybody else was a doctor and nobody was. So here we were veterinarians helping out a guy, um, who was pretty bloody, pretty disoriented, um, and he wasn't wearing a helmet, um, was he? He was not wearing a helmet. Exactly. Um, and we don't know exactly what happened. I think a stick came up and smacked his mule in the belly and that caused her to spook. And so, um, anyway, we ended up spending probably 45 minutes to an hour waiting with him, <laughs> trying to keep him from getting up. Cause you know, when people have head injuries, a lot of times they're not exactly rational with people. Um, and finally, the people from Red Star got out there and took over for us. But in the meantime, the weather had gotten pretty funky as it can up in the high country. And so we had it, uh, it clouded over, it rained <laughs> on our four horses who had been rock stars all day long. We're just kind of standing waiting and tied to trees as people went by. So it's a really always a good thing to teach your horse to tie and be calm because um, you never know what going to happen so we uh we finally got on our way left roger in the hands of much more capable people than us he was at least semi-coherent he did not know who the president was or what year it was so we were definitely concerned and a little freaked out by the time we got into red star and um, at that point my partner's horse had started having some issues you know had a hard time calm coming down with his heart rate despite having 45 minutes of standing around so uh -huh. we kind of okay yeah we'll take it easy and took our time and got into robinson and we made it through robinson it took a little while for her horse to pull it in but all right fine and kept going and by that point the day had obviously heated up as it will in tevis and i was going okay here we go we made it through the first the first holds and our crews were all pretty, um, they were pretty worried because nobody knew where we were, or why we were so far behind our schedule. And so um, that was also at Robinson when the helicopter came in and they um, medevaced the, the rider out. And so we were, everybody was behind, people were delayed from leaving. It was a big, uh, big mess. And a lot of people got delayed um, already. So we took off out of Red Star and kept making our way through and uh, made it all the way to Deadwood before my partner's horse tied up pretty bad. And oh, so no. here we are an hour and a half. 
behind our ride time going, Oh God, you know, now I'm, now I'm short my partner (laughs) and all the anxieties that come with, okay, if you continue on, you're riding this by yourself unless you find somebody else. Um, so she got pulled. I was about to leave Deadwood and my horse choked. Jeez. <laughs> <On some alfalfa. laughs> so all these things are going on and it's just like, okay, what else? Um, but we, we waited and he cleared it on his own. And at this point I'm at cutoff time, which mm-hmm. is not where I had planned to be. I wanted, wanted time and, uh, Somehow made it through the canyons, um, made it up into Michigan Bluff to see my crew again. And I remember just bursting into tears going, my horse choked and I don't think we can do this. And of course, at this point, my horse is like, oh, people, I know where we are. And there's food in front of my face and I feel great. So somebody kicked me in the pants and said, no, you're fine. Keep going. And I think I took (laughs) off towards Chicken Hawk, bawling my eyes out just a little bit. (laughs) Um, Made it through, ran through that last canyon. And when we hit the bottom of Bath Road, um, my horse had been there a couple times and we were again, still pushing cutoff. And I just God, he took off at the bottom of bath road. He was like, I know where we are. The trailer's up ahead, took off at a trot. And then, you know, you hit, you hit all the people on bath road. And I didn't, ex- I wasn't expecting uh-huh. this was again, my first pet of friends. And, um, my horse just picked up this huge trot and we're flying up this hill and then we start hitting more and more people and then we're cantering and then all of a sudden we're hand galloping and people are yelling and screaming and oh man it's one of my favorite memories and somehow made it in I think we had two minutes before cutoff time at wow and we made it through my horse post um after Forest Hill we caught up with a rider from Canada and then another one of my friends and somehow instead of being led through the dark by our fearless leader, I became the fearless leader in the dark and <laughs> made it through somehow. And, uh, man, crossing that finish line that day was the most incredible, most difficult, <laughs> most amazing feeling that I, I think I've ever had. Um, it was definitely a hard earned hundred, um, not the first hundred experience I had anticipated, but, um, so uh, poor Roger ended up having four broken ribs and a punctured lung and a concussion and a couple other things that, um, you know, I don't remember the exact story, but I just remember being, you know, I wouldn't have changed it for the world. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gone by and kept going and let him stay there. Um, and, uh, since then I, every time I see him, I make sure he's wearing a helmet. Yes. He um, does wear a helmet he now. Uh-huh. He does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that he, was my first experience. <laughs> wow. And he's an older guy. So I'm sure that was a pretty tough wreck for him to get through. I think he was in the ICU for a week and a half. Oh, wow. oh no. So wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he's back out there, and his mule, uh, another mule, finished Tevis the year following, and has had a lot of great miles. So I mean, he's still back out there. Happy Thank as you can for be. stopping and helping. It's wonderful that you know people will do that, and people will. I every time I've seen um, stuff happen on almost any ride, people always stop to help, which is terrific. I I think that's one of the best parts of this sport is that. 
people will, like you said, they'll stop and help regardless of what happens to their ride. You know, like even if I had gotten pulled for overtime, I still would have said, you know what? I did the right thing. I'm right. happy with what I did and I feel good about it. And that's all, you know. And I heard your horse so, jumped across the finish line. <laughs> oh, I forgot that part. Yeah. So <laughs> after, getting, <laughs> after getting into the stadium, my horse um, that I was riding that year, he's a big Arab saddlebred. He's about 16'2". So he's a big boy. Um and despite being huge, he is the weeniest horse ever and will spook at just about anything and everything, which made the canyons and the cliffs and everything that much more fun. But of course, you've just ridden 100 miles and we get into the stadium and everybody's, you know, there's loudspeakers and cheering and Bright my light. horse is in there trying to do his He's What's that? Bright lights. He's in there. Yeah, bright lights after the being in the dark, and he's spooking at all of the banners in the stadium. I almost couldn't get him to go in a straight line. He's spooking sideways. Everyone's laughing. Um, <laughs> I finally get him going. I said, all right, come on. We, we have to cross the real finish line. This is ridiculous. And I get him up into a trot. He picks up a canner on his own. And I can feel him about three strides out from that chalk line going, oh, God, I'm going to spook at the line. And I just went, oh, come on, buddy. And I booted him as hard as I could because I was just over it. And he got to that chalk line and jumped it as big as he could. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way to finish. He wasn't too tired. (laughs) No, he was not tired. Gotta love him, though. That's awesome. So does your finish line picture have you all four feet above uh, in the air? Um, He looks, he's got a really big, funny expression on his face. Um, They didn't capture the full jump. We have a video of it, but my face in the picture, I'm just, I'm laughing at him hysterically. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good one. Everybody, so, ha- yeah, well, look at the stories bad. you have to tell about your first ride, yeah. though. I mean, if it had been boring and you, was- and ordinary, you wouldn't have all these great stories. Yeah. Oh yeah, and the memories. I mean, that's the stuff, the kind of stuff you replay in your mind over and over. You know, it just yeah, and you know the the following year, I made it all the way to Francisco's before I got pulled with a lame horse. So it, luckily, we were lame enough that they picked us up at the bottom, and we didn't have to hike out. Um, and last year I rode my other horse and we made it all the way to the finish line again. And, you know, it's Tevis is always an adventure. There's always some story to tell, hopefully not as many crazy things as what I had my first year, but (laughs) something happens every Karen, you would know you've been through it enough times. I know it it does. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And uh, congratulations. uh, uh, We got a month and a half early. Thank you. Well, I I will be at Tevis in whatever capacity I can be, even if I'm just dictating what gets done. But my little (laughs) horse will be there with a good friend of mine riding him. So, uh, yeah. Well, good luck to you. Oh, it's good. Well, thank good luck. you, you as well. And thank you guys for having me on this morning. Have fun with Thanks. the new baby. Thanks, Natalie. <laughs> Thanks, Natalie. Bye. 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 
Endurance riders are so upbeat and positive. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there is something to be said for Tevis brain. It's like we get infected and there's nothing we can do about it. There's just there's no cure except maybe to go do the ride again, I guess, or crew or volunteer. It's definitely a fever, isn't it? It's definitely. (laughs) It it kind of is. Yeah. Well, I know. And I was hemming and hawing. Of course, subconsciously in my mind, I was getting ready all year with building the horse up and, you know, incrementally increasing his workload and his heat adaption abilities and you know we kind of were working towards it with just it's in the back of your head but without wanting to uh, consciously admit it (laughs) well give everybody the website for tevis again and teviscup.org and that's where we can find uh we can find all the details about who's riding you can follow the that day and the date of it again is July 28th. Which will be the last Saturday of this month. So definitely you'll want to follow it then. The ride starts at uh, early, 5:15 early. 5.15 a.m. And we have until 5.15 a.m. on Sunday. And that's that's West Coast time, right? California yes. time. Yep. Uh-huh. So uh, so that'll start around 9 o'clock here. And uh, we'll, we'll be following. Good luck, Karen. You're going <laughs> to do great. You. you always do great. Well, we'll see, you know, the odds of, uh, since I have made it through seven times in a row, you know, the odds aren't really necessarily in my favor, but it's like, who cares? I have to try. You have to try. You're going to be fine. Yes, I have to give it a try. You'll be rooting um, the others on. They'll all be following you. Exactly. And my junior, she's 11. She is, she was jumping up and down when she heard I was actually going to do it. Is she coming along the crew? She's coming along to crew Yay. and she's so excited because next year she'll be 12 and she really wants to ride. Can you ride at 12? At 12's the earliest you can ride. Wow. I didn't yes. know you could ride that young. Wow. Well, that's great. Well, next year we'll have to follow both of you. Hopefully. We'll see. <laughs> all right. One day at a time. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. You know, there are lots of rides all over the country, not just the Tevis. Check out the AERC. Uh, that's the American Endurance Ride Conference online at the ride calendar. To find a ride in your area, it's aercconline.org, aercconline.org. And be sure to check out the clinics pages. There are several endurance clinics uh, popping up all over the place for beginners as well. And uh, we're looking forward to following you, Karen, and thinking about you and thinking good thoughts for you and Bo. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everybody. If you want to catch past episodes of the Endurance episode, there are lots of them. Just go to horsesinthemorning.com. Scroll down in the middle of the page. You'll see all the little banners across the page for our Tuesday and Thursday episodes. Click on the Endurance one, and it'll bring you to all the past episodes of the Endurance show, and you can go back and take a listen. Karen, through the years, has given us lots of tips and tricks and uh, things that she does to get through Endurance rides. So if you're at all interested in that, that would be a good thing to do. All right, Karen. Wear your helmets, everyone, and have a good ride. <laughs> yeah, wear your helmets. I can't even believe you're not a, that. That isn't required on Tevis. <laughs> I know. I just can't believe that that's not required. I don't. I don't get that. But anyway, all right. Thanks, everybody. Mm-hmm.